Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. At Can Lions 2023, AI is the talk of the quasette, and Yannick Valore is ready to embrace it. The Havas Global CEO sees potential, not just in the efficiencies the technology can create, but how it can transform creativity. Those who don't learn how to use it will become irrelevant, which is why Havas has instituted mandatory training for its 20,000 plus employees on generative AI tools. Ballora sat down with Campaign US at Can Lions to chat about AI, as well as his strategy for talent, his vision for the future of creativity and entertainment, and the appetite for client spending in a continually uncertain economy. I'm Allison Weisbrot, editor of Campaign US, and you're listening to Campaign Chemistry live from Can Lions. Yannick, how are you finding Cannes this year? I think it's a very interesting edition of Cannes, 70 years uh, anniversary of Cannes, which, by the way, started in Venice. That's why we give uh, Lions, uh, just for the anecdote. And for us, now I think it's day four today. We're on Thursday, and it has been a very, very productive Cannes so far. Yeah, what are some of your biggest takeaways? Like, what do you think the major themes or trends are? I mean, I believe the the major theme is by far uh, generative AI. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, has, there hasn't been one single conversation with partners or clients uh, without uh, discussing this topic and its impact on uh, advertising. So what is Havas doing around generative AI? There's been tons of like holding company partnerships announced. What's your, what are your thoughts on it? Well, you know, I mean, uh, you know me, I mean, I'm, uh, I would say a tech uh, early adopter. So I discovered uh, generative AI uh, late November last year. I even done my greeting cards. I mean, the cards to say, to say Happy New Year to my friends and partners through mid-journey. I was uh, prompting the text myself. It was a funny picture of myself in different situations. And I thought while using these technologies that it could be uh, a game changer for all of us. So as soon as January, and by the way, uh, when I came back... Uh, after the holidays, it was like January 3rd, we had the Havas Executive Committee and uh, I did a speech just to motivate the, the troops after the holidays for the new year. And um, at the end of my speech, I asked the team, so did you like my speech? So they were a little bit surprised, why do you ask that? Normally you don't ask if you like the <laughs> speech after doing the speech. I said, because it has been generated by ChatGPT. So I went on ChatGPT January 1st just to say, hey, uh, ChatGPT, can you give me, I'm the CEO of a communication company, can you write me a speech to motivate the truth for the New Year's? And honestly, it was great. So, was it? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I think it's very important for us to all try and be trained on AI. Uh, so we have been uh, putting AI at, uh, at the core of uh, the new production tool uh, as soon as the uh, beginning of, uh, of January. Even today, uh, all the creative departments are uh, hiring a prompt writer, are training all the traditional planners and creative to use those tools. It's, I could say, uh, as of today, it's already a game changer for us. Yeah. What would you say are um, the biggest opportunities and then the biggest risks? I mean, the biggest opportunities, I mean, we work on three work streams uh, when it comes to AI. So first work stream, which is, I would say, basics and common to any industries is uh, the one related to back offices. So how can we save money and gain efficiencies around HR? IT, finance, legal, and I think there are big opportunities uh, uh, down there. Then uh, we work on a stream with media. You know, media has been using AI uh, since uh, the launch of our programmatic buying tool, and mm-hmm. I think Havas was one of the first, if not the first, to launch a programmatic buying tool. So how generative AI can make it even more powerful. And the third stream, which is maybe the most spectacular, is around content creation. So I think it's a huge opportunity for us. 
Uh, I would say the threat, uh, because uh, of course every uh, opportunity comes with uh, challenges. Um, one question I've been asked a lot those past, uh, those past days in Cannes is, uh, will we be replaced by uh, algorithm or generative AI? I mean, us as a creative department. Uh, my belief, I mean, I've been working a lot during those past seven months with, uh, with AI. And uh, <clears throat> I believe, uh, I mean, if you allow me to take an analogy, it reminds me, uh, well, it reminds me I was not born, but in the 1830s, um, when there was the invention of photographies, mm. you know, cameras, it hasn't killed all the painters, but it has killed the average painters. Mm. You know, in the past, everybody needed a painter to do a family portrait or portrait of yourself. And with the invention of photography, you didn't need uh, an average painter. That was successful uh, before. But we still have great painters, even maybe greater than uh, some uh, of the best in the past. And I think it will be the best, it will be the same with creative departments. It won't kill the best creative, it won't kill the best uh, strategist, but it will be tough for average creative. And I think it's going to be a great opportunity for, for the industry um, because it will, I think, uh, in a very short period of time, it will elevate the level of creativity of the different campaigns. Uh, I mean, it will be very easy to define a, a good strategy through ChatGPT for any brands from any industry. It will be very easy to execute a good campaign with uh, Midjourney or Dali or whatever new tools going to be uh, released on the market. But it's going to be very, very hard to stand out mm -hmm. because as consumers, I mean, as uh, viewers, we'll have a, we can have a feeling of sameness around the different advertisers. And uh, a brand, in order to be successful, it will need to differentiate. And for that, uh, I think uh, advertising campaigns next year will be bolder, brighter, uh, funnier, so I think brands will have to take more risk and I think it's great uh, that creative agencies will be able to be their best partner to achieve uh, those new uh, expectations. Yeah, how do you see creative roles changing? Like, are you incorporating like education about how to use these tools? Like, how do you think it's going to kind of change the typical roles and even processes that we see today in terms of like making work? Yeah, so first I will make an announcement next week uh, when I will be back to, uh, uh, to real life, <laughs> let's say. <laughs> I will say that we will train our 22,000 colleagues at Havas. It will be mandatory to take uh, uh, some trainings around AI because what I want to avoid is to have some people uh, managing uh, AI and the rest not using AI. I think it's, if you take an analogy with digital 15 years ago, I think it's very important that all our troops, all our forces, uh, uh, are trained basically at least on digital. I think everybody should uh, be able to write a prompt on ChatGPT or DALI or Midjourney. And then we will train uh, more specifically the creative just to make sure they become all excellent uh, prompt writer and they know how to use all those tools. I think it's very important that all the groups uh, go down to this uh, new path and use those tools that are, uh, are going to be really, really helpful for us and for our clients. And then how do you differentiate like all of the holding companies are kind of making the same partnerships, right? With like Microsoft and Adobe and ChatGPT. Is it, is it that human, it's the human on top, right? That sort of allows the differentiation. Yeah. I mean, I would say you something very basic. I think uh, AI tools will not replace humans, but uh, they will replace, uh, but human using AI tools will replace humans that are not using AI tools. So I think it's very important as a group and have us, uh, I would say is one of the most agile groups, one of the fastest to adapt to new trends, new technology, new disruptions. So I think we need to be the first group in terms of uh, training everyone to those tools and of course developing uh, the partnership with all the great uh, companies you have mentioned. Mm -hmm. So another theme this year and every year in Cannes is the work, of course, because that's why we're here. Um, what were some of your favorite 
campaigns that, that you saw this week and uh, maybe what were some of Havas's wins that you're most yeah. proud of? So for Havas, I want to say thank you to remind us that uh, Havas is about, because that can is about an award show. Because yeah, sometimes it is. we tend to forget that there is an <laughs> award ceremony at night, which is critically important. Let me remind, uh, let's uh, remind us that um, an awarded campaign is 11 times more efficient and more effective, quite 11 times more effective than a non-awarded campaign, which means creativity pays uh, at the end of the day. So I pay a lot of attention on the awards. And I mean, we have been able this year to win uh, lots of gold lions from everywhere in the world. I would say that I've been very, very moved by the Vanish campaign we have made uh, out of uh, Havas uh, London for girls with uh, autism. So I really encourage you to watch, uh, to watch this campaign. Every time I watch it, I cry. It's so beautiful. And maybe also I wanted to mention uh, the Anne de Gaulle campaign, you know, General Charles de Gaulle, very famous in France. He had a daughter with uh, Down syndrome and he created a foundation. And uh, the team in Havas in Paris uh, rebranded the Charles de Gaulle Airport into Anne de Gaulle for one week. It has been tremendous PR, tremendous execution. It has been great as well. And many, many campaigns from all over the world have been great. But uh, if I just have to pick one, uh, uh, it would be the one around autism. Yeah. So you mentioned other campaigns around the world. Um, Havas is a global company. I've been talking to people this week who are saying like, you know, countries from around the world that ne- not maybe we're not necessarily as prominent in the creative industry are doing like really great work and they're sort of catching up to where more advanced advertising markets are. What, what's your take on that? No, I mean, uh, honestly, we have great creativity coming from everywhere in the world. We receive lots of awards from Brazil as well, from a campaign with uh, Petra, from uh, Chile. I mean, India as well is doing quite well. China, uh, we didn't win a lion this year from China, but in the past we won several lions. So I think a good creative ideas and a great execution can come from anywhere in the world. And what's great about Cannes is you get to see uh, work from uh, all over the world. And... Uh, I think it's fascinating to open up our minds, our chakras, uh, and to see those uh, great insights and this great execution once again. Yeah. So I want to talk about um, Havas's business. You reported 1.9% year-over-year growth last quarter, but some of the other holding companies grew in the 5% to 7% range. So what is your take on you know how Havas is performing compared to the other companies, and what are you seeing from clients in terms of wanting to invest given the, the state of the economy around the world? Yeah, Havas has posted very strong results those past two years. I mean, if you just come back, uh, 2020 has been a tough year for the industry. Not as tough as we expected, by the way. We expected to come back to 2019 uh, results in 2022, and 2021 was even better than 2019. Uh, 2022, despite a tough environment, remember the war in Ukraine started end of February, supply chain issues at that time, uh, inflation uh, across uh, Europe and in the US where we're not used to have uh, those kind of, uh, of thing. And uh, we had a very, very strong year last year, one of the best uh, organic growth of the industry. 2023, what I see today, what I see today for 2023 is still, uh, we are still experiencing growth. I mean, we are off to a good start uh, in terms of organic growth. It was, it was better than the, the number you reported. And uh, I'm quite positive. What's interesting to see that the advertising industry is growing faster than the GDP growth, uh, which, I mean, says a lot yeah. uh, when you look at it. Because in the past, when I joined Havas in 2009, it was uh, in the middle of the financial crisis. And I mean, the advertising investments were down a lot, like minus 30%. 
during COVID, it was not the case. And during last year recession, it was not at all the case. We even experienced growth. We just discussed 2022 figures. So I believe uh, companies today understood the importance of uh, uh, communication, uh, even during times of crisis. The problem, if, if you stop communicating, of course, maybe on a very short-term basis, like for the next quarter, you will have a better bit. But at the end, you will lose uh, your brand equity, you will lose awareness, uh, uh, share of voice, and uh, your business will drop. So all the conversation I have with CEOs, and by the way, we have a lot of CEOs coming to Cannes now to get uh, to know better this industry, understand that uh, advertising spend is not just a spend, it's also an investment uh, to be the future uh, results of the company. So I think we are in a good spot. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of been... Since since COVID, there's just sort of been a consensus that, you know, uncertainty is the new normal. Like, we're, we're operating in a much more uncertain environment than we ever have in the past. Do you feel like um, CMOs, is that, how is that impacting their decision making when it comes to advertising? Well, first, I want to pay tribute to CMOs because it must be very, very hard today to be a CMO. You have so many things to deal with, uh, so many new disruption. I mean, we talked about AI uh, uh, CMO, they have to refer to their executive committee about how AI will transform their business, how they will make some savings, uh, better ads. Um, I believe the world is uncertain for sure. I mean, it's been uh, three years, but even even more, it's been 10 years. I don't really know about the context, but what we know for sure, uh, and once again, that's what's most, maybe it's the most important thing, that communication is growing even in times of recession. So I believe uh, as a group, I mean, as a group CEO, I will continue to make investment to make sure we attract the best talent, we retain our talents. I'm quite positive about the future of our industry. Mm-hmm. And then, and you're right, uh, having said that, in the same time, we need to remain agile, nimble, and being able to adapt very fast to any change of the situation. Yeah. So I know Havas was very early in sort of simplifying its structure into the village model. Do you feel like that's keeping you agile in today's world? And what else are you doing to sort of keep up with that agility that you've created? Yeah, I think Havas is a large company. I mean, 22,000 people around the world, but still we are, I would say, smaller or not as big as as our competitors, which give us a supplement of agility, of nimbleness. So I think it's very important that we keep working on the integration to be as simple as possible for clients to work with, to partner with, to being able to offer like a 360 solution. Sorry for 360, it's a, it's a term from the past, but uh, you know what I mean, like global integrated solution. And it's working very well. By the way, the And The Goal campaign, when we rebranded the airport, it's both a creative campaign, an event PR campaign, a, a media campaign. So we are able to do some integrated campaign from one agency that will make all the other agencies working together. Uh, the other thing I would say that uh, differentiates us, if I just have to pick one, is or two, maybe I would have to pick two. Number one is what we are doing around meaningfulness. I mean, the mission of Havas is to make a meaningful difference to brands, businesses, and people. I mean, I believe uh, we have a role to play in today's world uh, uh, to try and make the world a better place. I mean, through communication, we have the power to influence human behaviors. And I think this power gives us this responsibility and that's why we have uh, engaged with uh, all of our clients into a meaningful transformation journey. And we are trying to become uh, meaningful ourselves. Uh, I want Havas to be the most meaningful group of the industry. And maybe if you allow me another point, uh, an important milestone for, for Havas was in 2017 when we joined forces, when we merged with the Vivendi Group. Uh, Vivendi is a world leader in entertainment, uh, media, and now communication. And having access to this group 
uh, is a game changer because entertainment is a key component of creativity. So I think one of the reasons which explains why Havas is so creative is also because we are partner and we are part of the Vivendi company. Yeah, I think um, brand entertainment is sort of a growing area that people are talking about. Um, you know, you see like how Stagwell is partnering with athletes on the beach. There's tons of celebrities here, filmmakers, and w there also are kind of different ad opportunities in the market, right? People are streaming ad-free content. They're blocking ads. How do you see the future of creativity, uh, commercial creativity and entertainment integrating in the future? No, I think entertainment is key. We live in a world where uh, uh, we have a saturation of content. I mean, there are so many great content produced by all the platforms. I mean, the, the Netflix of the world, the Disney Plus, or even Canal Plus, as it comes to, to France or Europe, or Africa, by the way, because Canal Plus now is international. Canal Plus is a pay TV operation of Vivendi, for those who don't know. Uh, so, I mean... We all have discussions at night with friends, at dinner, like, have you watched this series, this TV show? You should watch this movie, it's great. But even if you were watching content for like 24-7, you wouldn't have time to watch everything. So we live in a world of saturation. So I think it's very important that not only in the world of tomorrow we will pay for people's attention during ad break, but we need to earn it. And people are expecting content to be highly creative, highly related to entertainment. So uh, I think it's very important that once again, we elevate uh, uh, the level of creativity of our campaign. We partner with uh, the greatest uh, content company. And uh, I think this is the only way where people will be willing to watch our ads. I mean, if we have some ad blockers that are so popular, maybe it's because uh, people, they don't like the, ad they are see the ads uh, they are seeing. So if we come back with great ads, people will wait for the ad break. You know, I remember when I was a kid uh, watching TV, I was happy to watch the ads. Very funny, very bold, new, inventive. I think this is where the industry needs to come back to. Mm. So what is that going to take in terms of changing the creative process? Like, is it about getting in front of producers and, you know, seeing scripts before they come out and seeing opportunities for brands to, to like integrate into the actual story? What is that? What does that mean for how the creative process works? I think the, a good metric, uh, at least for me, is, um, I mean, I think we are producing a great ad or a great case study when people share it uh, spontaneously on social media. When I see some people sharing our ads on social media, have you seen that? This is great. Uh, I think the ad is no longer just an advertising uh, for paid media. It's become shared. Uh, uh, it's become amplified like a thousand times or a million times. Uh, and this is a kind of metric we need to have. What kind of ad you can produce that people will be able to or will be willing to share on their social media account? Mm -hmm. And what about like not just ads, like getting brands like actually into the storyline? Yeah, I mean, we've been doing that forever. I mean, uh, in the past, we called it um, uh, product placement. <laughs> so now yeah. it's, it's a little bit more elaborated. What we need to be sure is to work. I mean, uh, you know, I'm a big advocate of meaningfulness, but I also believe in authenticity. I mean, whether there is an ad for a brand that has nothing to do with what the content is uh, or the celebrity is standing for, it's not working because people, uh, they see or they I don't know if they see, but they feel uh, that there is something wrong somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very important that when we do a recommendation for a brand, is to make sure that uh, the way it will be placed into the content or the partnership they will do with the celebrity is really aligned with the values of the content or the celebrities. I mean, 
when you are not authentic, people perceive your brand to become, uh, it's like a kind of cynicism and uh, you will have a, a backlash on that. So it's very important that we pay great care of uh, thinking twice before doing these kind of things, but it could be like super powerful when it works. Yeah, I mean, this is all kind of related to the media landscape we live in today and how fragmented it is. And um, I sort of feel like there's almost been like a changing of the guard of the, of the tech platforms in Cannes this year. Like obviously Facebook, Meta and, and <laughs> Meta and YouTube and Google are still here, but they're a little quieter, I would say. And then you see Netflix on the Quizet. I hear Apple is here. Like, how do you view the media landscape in this context? Do you feel like there are new power players coming to the fore? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, Google and Facebook are two huge players for the past 10 years. I mean, they've done a great job. I mean, uh, now digital spending in media is like uh, more than 50% on global spend. And I think they have like two thirds of this uh, of this spend. Uh, we saw Amazon coming very strongly those past, uh, those past years. I mean, Amazon and retail marketing in general, it could be Mercado Libre in South America, Alibaba in China. I mean, those, uh, those kind of companies uh, and they have access to great data because they know a lot of things about us. Uh, so uh, I believe they will continue to grow very fast. Uh, you were mentioning Netflix. I met with them yesterday. Uh, they're on the Croisette. They just launched uh, last uh, September, and they're already uh, having a, a, an important uh, part of uh, the money spent on TV. So of course, there are new players coming every day. Uh, I mean, once again, um, I think it's a great opportunity for companies like us to, to find new ways of... Uh, of reaching customers, uh, consumers for our brands, and also to be more, maybe more creative in the way we produce our ads. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about talent. Um, there's been a trend recently of holding companies offshoring, right? In places like India and Brazil and, and Central uh, Eastern Europe. Um, is this something that Havas is looking at? And what do you see as, as the benefits of that? Yeah, I mean, we have... Uh, <sighs> For a long time now, uh, since a decade, we have uh, uh, some offshoring or nearshoring. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a presence in Costa Rica, a presence in uh, Czech Rep, in Prague, uh, huge presence in India. We have uh, multiplied our scale in India by five uh, during the past uh, uh, eight years. So, uh, no, no, I think, of course, this is something we can do uh, uh, very effectively. Uh, we just launched, uh, by the way, uh, an offshoring uh, proposition to the group in Ukraine, because as you can imagine, uh, our Ukrainian team were, were a little bit out of business uh, since what happened. And we created the Havas Ukrainian Exile, where they can produce uh, content for all the rest of digital content or actual content for all the rest of the group. So I think it's very important to be a global group and to seize the opportunities we can have in different, uh, in different countries. Mm -hmm. A lot of the talent that is being offshored as engineering talent, right? Because it's less expensive in, in other countries. What does that mean for the roles in the more mature advertising markets? Like how are those roles changing as more of that kind of talent is in emerging markets? I mean, it's a great question, but it's a little bit similar of the discussion we had uh, around AI. Mm. I mean, who can replace who? So in the mature market where it's expensive, you have to be very strong and <laughs> you have to produce, I don't know if you're paid uh, uh, twice the price are someone in another country, you have to be twice as good. Mm. Um, but I don't see that that way. I mean, it's great for emerging countries uh, to find ways to develop uh, their economy, their countries. Uh, we saw that in China, now it's in India. Uh, it could be everywhere in the world, in Africa. Uh, so I think, it's, uh, I think it's a good thing for the world that uh, we see emerging countries arriving with new propositions uh, and being able to, to compete uh, with uh, more mature countries. But, um, I mean, it has been the trend for the, the past uh, 50 years or even for the past 100 years where uh, first uh, 
it was in the industry where uh, some companies from mature market have uh, offshore their uh, uh, factories in uh, emerging countries. So, I mean, it's what we call globalization. Mm -hmm. And I think at some extent, globalization is good. It's creating uh, bridges uh, between the countries. Uh, I mean, you know, I've been traumatized by what has happened in Ukraine last year uh, between Russia and Ukraine. So I think the more we can have some commercial exchanges, uh, cultural exchanges, culture is a huge part of peace, the more we will avoid uh, going at war with each other. Mm -hmm. What markets do you see the most potential for Havas? I mean, uh, uh, we are by far uh, uh, very heavy in North America and in Europe, but uh, I see a big trend in Latin. It's growing very fast. I mean, and the benefit from the geopolitical tension, by the way, but they are doing very well. Uh, China has been tough last year because it was still under lockdown, but it seems to do better. Um, I would say India. Uh, some smart people say it's not India's decay, it's going to be India's century. So I think they have lots of uh, assets and reason why they can be super performing. I'm also a huge believer in Africa uh, that will double its population, very young, uh, very smart people. So, uh, I mean, all those areas, I mean, can be a future giant to the world. Mm. So, um, in the U.S. in particular, many people feel like DE&I has kind of fell to the back burner this year as people focus more on sustainability and the economy and other issues. What's your perspective of that being based in France? And um, how are you ensuring your North American leadership remains on the gas pedal when it comes to DE&I? I mean, uh, DE&I has been key for us, I mean, for many reasons. Uh, well, first, we want to be the most meaningful group of the industry. So we want to make sure that everyone feels safe, represented in every diversity. And also, I believe, and this is a, a strong conviction that I have, is that the, if you want to be successful as a group, uh, you need to be a diverse group from different backgrounds, from different origins, from different genders, from obviously, from different ages. So I really want to cultivate uh, those kind of different backgrounds. I think this is how we will create a, a different group with a strong culture that will be uh, overperforming the industry. How do you avoid making cuts to DEI roles and programs when it, the economy gets tough? Uh, for me, talent is the most important thing. Even uh, I would say talent is even more important than AI. Uh, I mean, if I have to rank that, talent, in talent's program, I will never uh, do any cut uh, uh, on those talent programs. Whether it is about gender equality, we've made some good progress during the past 10 years. When I took over 10 years ago, we had like 50% uh, of women or 54% of women, but just 20% in executive position. Now it's 50-50. So, I mean, we did it and we were successful. So we need to make sure that we apply the, the same methodology to every uh, kind of uh, diversity. It's very meaningful to me. And this is how we will overperform during uh, the coming years. And, you know, uh, in terms of uh, when we compare ourselves to our peers, one point of differentiation is the fact that uh, Vivendi, so the owner of, uh, of Favas, uh, is, is part of a family uh, of a family company because the Bollery Group, my family group, is by far the largest shareholder. So it's giving us uh, the opportunity to develop a long-term strategy. Mm. So I would never cut on the talent cost. So, for instance, during COVID, um, two things during the lockdown, like in spring 2020, we were the only group of the industry not to do any layoffs during the lockdown. Zero layoff, it was forbidden. I told the team, no layoffs, we'll keep the people. And the CEOs were telling me, yeah, but I mean, uh, we are out of work, so I said, I don't care. Uh, that's our people, they are suffering, it's tough for everyone, we'll keep the people. 
and we agree with Vivendi not to pay any dividend in 2020. So we've been supporting for the long term. And the same for DNI. I think the, the investment we are making in talent program today are the future results of tomorrow. So I want to, 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 to build on this, or, or, to build on our unique ability to, to develop this long-term approach. Yeah. How much does being a family-owned group allow you to do that compared to other companies? I think it's, uh, without that, I'm not sure we'd have been able to, uh, to have the same strategy because I, I saw my peers and I like them, by the way. But they had so much pressure from the stock market. Uh, they didn't know what to do. Their share price was super down. We are not publicly listed, so we, I don't want to say we didn't care. But uh, it was less, much less a pressure. Mm, for sure. Um, so Havas recently rebranded. You have a new logo. What was the impetus for this? What was sort of the need for a refresh? So 20 years, we haven't, uh, we haven't worked on our brand uh, identity. Uh, many changes in this past 20 years. So Havas became a, a client-facing brand. So it's not, it's not just the name of the holding company, it's also the name of our agencies, Havas Creative, Havas Media, Havas Health and You. And um, I mean, the world has changed, we have changed, and we wanted to have a visual identity that will express who we are. So the logo is much more modern, very joyful. Uh, it's looking forward. It's related to entertainment. So it's been a, a great work, and I trust... Uh, I'm taking this opportunity to pay tribute to the team that have been working on it. I'm super satisfied and uh, we just unveiled the new logo last week and I received so many great feedback so far. I mean, it's, it's great. I hope this logo will, will last for the next 20 years. Awesome. So you're heading back to Paris at some point. We don't know when yet. No. Um, what's, what's one thing you want to take back to your teams from this week? I mean, first, uh, uh, let's not forget about the past three years. Uh, we didn't have Cannes for two years in a row, and last year was quite uh, in the middle, I would say. So first, let's celebrate uh, the fact that we can gather and meet in person all together. Uh, our industry is in a very good spot. You see the croisette is very busy. Uh, in terms of attendance, it's the biggest Cannes uh, ever. Um, so I'm quite positive about the future. Let's, uh, let's remain bold. Let's remain curious. Let's uh, see all those disruptions as positive things for the industry. Let's not be afraid by change. Uh, of course, it will change things, but I think change is good and we will adapt as we have always done. So uh, let's continue to the good work and uh, I'm very much looking forward for next year. Well, on that note, thank you so much, Yannick. Thank you, Alice. That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Campaign Chemistry on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.